Welcome to the Independent Advisors Podcast, where we dive into the world of stocks, tradable markets, and financial planning with Jessup Wealth Management's Chief Investment Officer, Mark McEvely, and CEO, Matt Jessup. You'll hear tips, tricks, and strategies to address your financial well-being, and most importantly, conveyed in a way that everyone can understand. Here are your hosts, Mark and Matt. Hey everyone, welcome back to the 83rd episode of the Independent Advisors Podcast, where Matt Jessup and I, Mark McEvely, bring you everything you need to know from the past week in the world of financial markets and financial planning. So welcome back to the show, Matt. It's nice to be back. I uh, listened to last week's podcast, of course, and Aaron did a phenomenal job guesting last yeah, week. Yeah, that was me and Aaron's first go around. So that was that was exciting. I thought you guys did a really good job just in regards to current events going on in the markets and providing, I think, a good perspective, especially in regards to some of the retail investing frenzy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know that you have some more to add to that for the week here. So we'll get into that in a little bit. Yes, sir. Um, but as always, we'll take the first few minutes to recap the performance um, for the month and the or excuse me, we're just going to do for the year because we're just barely in the February um, for the major indexes that we track. So these numbers are as of the market close on February 1st. S&P 500 index up 0.4% for the year. The Dow Jones Industrial Average down 1.33% for 2021. The NASDAQ up 1.42% for the year. The IWM ETF that tracks the Russell 2000 index is up 7.42% for the year. The Vanguard International ETF X United States up 2.06% for the year. The three-month T-bill currently yielding 0.08%, the two-year Treasury yielding 0.11%, and the 10-year Treasury yield sitting at 1.1%. Um, so, you know, obviously the big news from the past week, as Aaron and I touched on last week in our podcast, was retail investors making all the headlines. So. Um, Just to recap, there were traders in a small number of heavily discounted stocks uh, and shorted stocks, uh, causing prices to more than double uh, and then drop by, you know, half of what they gained all in a day or two. And GameStop uh, was the one that was highlighted the most here. And, um, you know, the GameStop short squeeze saga has dominated the news cycle, fueling high volume and volatility in the market. Um, even though most stocks have fared just fine up until last Friday where the market sold off a bit. Um, you know, I know that, Matt, you saw this happen in the late 90s when online brokers first kind of became a thing, uh, kind of like uh, Ameritrade, E-Trade, and Scott Trade. So uh, this is nothing new, and it's not the first time that it happened, and it's sure not going to be the last time that it happened. Mm-hmm. Um. In other news, other than the retail frenzy going on, the Commerce Department uh, estimate of estimate of fourth quarter GDP showed that the economy grew by 1% in the final three months of 2020, uh, which is a 4% annualized rate. Uh, the ascent out of the deep hole that the coronavirus inflicted on the U.S. economy uh, obviously hasn't been painless. Um, new claims for unemployment benefits remain really high above pre-COVID-19 record levels. Uh, We should note to listeners, though, that the U.S. economy shrank in 2020 for the first time since the financial crisis, but made up ground in the fourth quarter and is forecasted to continue its recovery into 2021. 
And last but not least, Q4 earnings season for 2020 is going well. Uh, We still have a lot of expected reports this week. I know UPS reported this morning, uh, Alibaba reported this morning, and we have Amazon reporting after the close today. Got it. Ferrari reported this morning, too, I saw. And Ferrari reported this morning. Q4 earnings season continues to come in well. We still have um, a lot of companies reporting this week. UPS reported this morning, Ferrari and Alibaba um, with some of the big names. And then also Amazon is reporting after the close today. And again, today is February 2nd, a Tuesday. Um, and Q4 earnings have been coming in really strong, Matt. Um, this they have. This is a note from Bespoke Investment Research. They said, since the start of 2021, 321 companies have reported earnings. 83% of companies reporting have topped EPS forecasts. 77% have topped sales estimate. And a net of 14% of companies have raised guidance. So I would say that so That's far, Q4 really has been pretty good in terms of earnings reports. That's really good. And when I look at this bespoke research in the past, I kind of have my own little proprietary method of looking at these three figures, which is companies that beat earnings per share, companies that beat revenue, and companies that have raised guidance, right? And in my personal opinion, if you're above 70% on beating of EPS and beating on revenue, and you're above 10% on raising guidance, that's a great earnings quarter, in my personal opinion, mm-hmm. and they're way above all those metrics. Yeah, it's a good way for people to start is you know look for companies that are beating on the bottom line, the top line, which is earnings and revenues, and then raising guidance. I think if you're having trouble narrowing down a list of companies or sectors to invest in, that's a good way to start. It's a good way to start the screen. You know what we call them, baby? Triple plays. Yep, that's Triple right. plays. Um, all right. So moving on to tweets, articles and research from the week. Um, Matt, I know you have a couple comments on what kind of went on last week and we can get into that before we kind of get back into our normal uh, data. Um, and we're going to we're going to skip the financial planning topic of the week because I think all of this will kind of fall under that category and we have a lot of data here so yeah i, I mean be able to get i would kind of call what i'd like to discuss here my editorial stance and view on what's really went on the last couple of weeks and i'm going to provide some education and perspective and i want to start with the caveat mark that this is my personal opinion on everything i'm about to discuss okay and um, feel free to interject if you differ with any viewpoints that i'm about to make okay sound good sir So once again, um, listeners, I'm about to discuss, first of all, a summary of tweets and research in regards to the retail investors coming together to make big group trades in certain investments over the past couple of weeks. Okay, and I know that you've seen this stuff in the news headlines. So the first uh, one that uh, tweet that I'm going to discuss to put this situation into perspective is one from a gentleman by the name last name of Edward, and I saw it on January 30th. And this is his quote. I'm old enough to remember mutual fund portfolios reading Yahoo message boards on stocks in 1999 and in 2000 and buying them to juice their portfolios ended badly eventually, end quote. My comment is the new message boards is Reddit and Twitter. A reminder to not buy or sell something just because it's the hot trademark that has the chance to end badly and quickly. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, this is kind of over, but, you know, you've seen the last two trading days, including this morning, some pretty poor performance in these quote unquote hot names. And my biggest concern is the perception is 
you can't lose money. This stuff's going up and it's far from the truth. So leading to my next comment, and I'm going to jump around. Then my next one is I saw this post and it showed this gentleman who had a, a snapshot of his investment account. Unfortunately for this individual, he put his life savings into one of these speculative positions. We're talking, Mark, a half a million dollars. And he leveraged it with margin. And I'm can very... You talk, can you just to clear the air? I think there's a lot of people out there that don't understand what margin is or how people use margin. Can you just go over that quickly? Thank you. That's a good point. Okay. So listeners, this is what margin is. You are utilizing investments within your account or holdings as collateral to borrow money from your broker to buy more stuff. And what happens is if the trade begins to go against you, meaning you begin to lose money on that trade, you have less underlying collateral. So you have to do one of two things. You either have to add fresh capital into the account to bulk it up, or the brokerage firm is going to force you to sell because usually their release rate is no more than 50% of the account. That way they have a buffer that if your collateral drops a lot, they could still not be at risk of technically losing money, mm -hmm. right? Now, as a reminder, in some of these more highly volatile stocks, they're going to have a lot lower release rate, right? right. They're not going to give you 50% of the collateral if they think the collateral is not good. Right. So plain English, you have a portfolio of $100,000 all invested in stock. You can put margin on the account, get a loan in quotes for $50,000 to be able to buy other stuff without without uh, selling in your stock portfolio. Correct, sir. Okay. And what you're doing at that point on margin is you are going to magnify the returns one way or the other. Mm -hmm. Both ways. Both ways, right? So in this example, this gentleman put his life savings into it, levered it, took leverage, and lost it all within a couple of days. And I want to highlight this because you know, we need to be sizing these positions. If you're a retail investor on your own and you're making these speculative investments, Mark, these positions have to be sized appropriately to your financial circumstance. You cannot be putting money in these types of stocks that you need to pay your bills. Mm -hmm. Okay. So here's another one. This well, actually, so th that's interesting. You have to dig deep in like the, the archives of Twitter to find someone who actually posted about losing money during this scenario because all, right. so all I've been seeing is, is all the positives all the positives and that's a great question mark so the gentleman who posted this took the snapshot off of I think a reddit board uh, I'm not on reddit mm -hmm. but off like a reddit board and then posted the picture on twitter and he's a trader that I happen to follow okay and see you know one comment I like to make for the listeners is you know sometimes I have these followers on my twitter as a sentiment check it's one of my data inputs Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, usually when these traders are getting emotional about their trades, it's a pretty good indicator for me. I tend to want to do the opposite. Mm -hmm. But this is uh, a trader that posted um, this picture from Reddit. So he was, I think, trying to do what we're doing right now and educate others that you know, there's another side to this. And you can. And a lot of people will end up losing money. Right. And yeah, and that's the thing that I think I want to point out here is that, you know, people have to realize that m the majority of people 
it's not going to be this stuff. It's going to be all about people who made money and made millions and millions of dollars. Ding, 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 ding. And they're not going to necessarily see the people who, for lack of a better term from a financial standpoint, got absolutely slaughtered like this guy did. Yep. They let the greed emotion take over. The two, the two guiding emotions and in finance is fear and greed are the two main ones. And the pendulum always swings one way or the other. And right now in the retail investor friendly uh, frenzy, the, the greed is the one that's dominating right now. Right. And it's clouding people's decision making process. Yeah. And I want to make a point that there are people that, you know, that they day trade for a living or they're day, they day trade and they're very good at it. And that's their system and that's their process. I'm not I'm not discouraging people from doing that if that's if that's what they do on a day to day basis. The thing that I caution against is it sounds like, and I don't know the whole story with this guy, but it sounds like he just hopped on the frenzy just because people were making a lot of money and he didn't really know what he was doing. Yes. Now, I don't know what that if that's the case or not, but that's the stuff that I caution against is that if it's not a part of your process or a part of your system of how you invest your money, that it, you just got to be very careful about you know jumping in on things without fully understanding how this stuff works. Well, I got I got one more before I'm going to go into words of wisdom, and I want your feedback on what I'm about to say. Okay, there was a tweet, and this gentleman it was retweeted. He changed his Twitter headline to this: "Rolando in air quotes penny stock Santos." <laughs> so he added his middle name, being air quotes penny stock. And you want to check this out for the beginning of this Twitter post he put. Quote, I'm officially going to quit my job, officially severed ties from a great salary to become a full time trader, dot, 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 dot. I'm not going to continue. I saw a relentless amount of headlines in regards to this in the late 90s and early 2000s. Why? It appeared easy, right? Stocks just kept going up, um, especially the hot speculative ones. And I just want to remind people that it doesn't work that way. I've been in the industry now for over 20 years, and I can assure you there will be a point where these stocks correct, and a lot of these newer traders do not have a disciplined process to control risk. Mm -hmm. And it's not me judging. I'm just making a very generalized statement that looking back in history, it's worked out that way. And it just concerns me when I see people leaving jobs to think that they can, just because they had a couple of good weeks in the market, that you can rely upon that as your sole source of income to provide for yourself and your family. Right. But then the other side of this too, Matt, is that we don't know this guy's situation. That's right? a good point. Does does he have, you know, millions and millions and millions of dollars already saved up so he can afford That's to do this? That's a good point. Maybe he does. So I think we just have to look at it like that. I'm I'm against, I guess, putting everyone in the same boat that the media is saying that all of these traders are, you know, first time novices that have never done this before. And I know that that's not the case with everybody. That's true. So, I would say a majority are, though. Yeah. But not everyone. Yeah. So, you know, I think we just have to be careful with, you know, we don't know this guy's whole story, essentially, yes. on, on why he's doing this. It's an excellent point. Mm -hmm. That's an excellent point. Yeah. So, um, and again, I want to throw out to caution, and the reason I selected that was not to pick on this individual, but to rather highlight the fact I don't want to see retail investors investing money with such a short-term time horizon that they really need to pay bills. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of why I selected that. So um, I'm going to go through a list of five things 
for what I would deem to be my words of wisdom regarding what's going on over the past couple of weeks of this retail investor frenzy. Okay. Number one, if it costs you your peace of mind, it costs too much. True for life and true for investing. In the investing world, it means you are taking too much risk. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, if it's keeping you up at night or if you're at your nine to five job and you can't think straight, not a good, not a good thing. All right. Not a number, good thing. I love it. So number two, Benjamin Graham once said, and I quote, investing isn't about beating others at their game. It's about controlling yourself at your own game. Yeah. Don't worry about anyone else. Stick to your plan. Number three, don't make investment decisions just because others are doing it. It's the FOMO, right? The fear of missing out. You don't want to be get left behind when, you know, GameStop is up 400% in a week. You want to jump on, but no one gives usually you by that time, it's too late. Yep. Number four, Christy Ben said it perfectly on January 27th with this tweet. And I quote, I've said it before, but bears repeating one of the unsung advantages of being a long-term investors uh, investor, perhaps better yet, an index investor, is that you don't have to waste a bit of mental energy trying to figure out what's happening with the likes of GameStop or AMC. And, you know, this is the literally the perfect way to explain this. If you already have a plan in place to get you to where you need to be, then this short squeeze saga we've seen over the past week or two should not affect you in the slightest bit. If this type of trading is not a part of your plan, don't feel like you have to be a part of it just to satisfy your FOMO. Well put, sir. Well put. Well put. So this is, I think, the last point I'm going to make, the silver lining. Okay? Again, my opinion. You know, school doesn't teach anything about investing. I like to see Americans with no former investing experience getting involved. My concern is that they learn by properly sizing positions and not speculating with money they can't afford to lose. When one's time horizon is so short, like most retail investors in the news today, that is speculation. When one's time horizon is more proper, i.e. over a general market cycle of five to seven years, that, in my opinion, Mark, is investing. And there's a big difference. So to prove this point, our friend Ben Carlson had a Twitter post on January 30th. His post said this, quote, gambling is not fairer than the stock market. You just have to have a long-term time horizon. Show me a sports book with these kinds of probabilities of winning. And you know what he did? He posted the S&P 500 returns from 1926 to 2020, and it shows the time frame of returns on daily, one-year, five-year, 10-year, and 20-year rollings. Rolling and it shows period. how often... Rolling time periods. Rolling time periods. And it shows how often they're positive. And on a 10-year time horizon, even if you bought at the high at some of these given points, you were still positive 95% of the time. In a 20-year, you were always positive 100% of the time, at least from this data set of the S&P 500 from 1926 to 2020. I mean, I'll take those odds all day without having the stress of dealing with, you know, 
one minute charts <laughs> with some of these stocks and just staring at a screen all day. But again, that's my personal opinion. I'll take it. I'll take these odds all day over doing that just because it's a quality of life decision for me. Yeah. And, you know, and you you literally can't afford to do that because you know, you have three young kids and that, and you know, your quality of life. And I'm sure Rachel wouldn't be very happy with you if you, you know, sit, sat in front like of a screen every day. And I'm trading futures. Yeah, exactly. So that doesn't work for you. So <laughs> I, you know, I would take those odds every single day. And, you know, the last thing I want to make about comment I want to make about this is that I think there's a really big misconception out there that all of these Reddit traders have no experience in investing or trading. And that's just simply not true. There was a really good article in the Wall Street Journal that I retweeted uh, over this weekend that talks about the guy who stirred interest in GameStop in the first place. Oh, well, this would be good. So um, long story short, this guy has his CFA. I heard this, actually. He has his CFA. And for those that don't know what that is, that's Chartered Financial Analyst. It's no easy task. That is not a joke to pass that test. No, there's three levels, aren't there? Yeah. That is a very, very difficult test. And this is the one and only article. I'm sure there might be a couple other ones out there that I saw. That's actually letting you know this person's educated. Yes. This isn't a person that just jumped on this a couple months ago and started trading and investing for the first time. This is someone who is a chartered financial analyst, right? So it's not like he just started investing or trading a few weeks ago. He's been doing this for years. But, you know, this rarely gets brought up because it's not what is driving the media headlines and doesn't add to the hysteria. So it doesn't have the pizzazz. Right. Exactly. So that's that's where it's really dangerous is because the media makes these you know, these Reddit traders out to be, hey, this guy started a couple weeks ago and made this amount of money, then you can do it too. And that's just really dangerous to put that out there. I'm nodding my head as you keep talking. You know, at least, you know, get all the facts out there and, and let people know that there's people on these Reddit boards that have been trading and investing for years and people that have designations like their CFA. So it's not like these people are first timers, like, like everyone is claiming that they are. Yep. So that's really important to note, I think. Yep. And again, I think at the end of the day, if you had to have me boil down um, my comments that I just made, first is position sizing. You know, I don't want people putting money that they need for short term needs or bills and speculate that in the market. That's not appropriate, in my opinion. That, that That's the first major point I want to make. And the second point I want to make is there is another side to this. And these stocks have the ability to go down just as fast as they go up. And I I want to make sure people realize that other side as well. That's that's the two points I want to make. Mm -hmm. Now, um, before I go to our regular format, I got a funny one, a funny tweet. um, And this is from um, Daniel. And many people are yapping about GameStop shares not being tied to fundamental value. They also paid $1,000 to see the Hamilton musical. (laughs) <laughs> that's pretty good that is good it might hurt some feelings but take that in for a second though might hurt some feelings but yeah, that's okay I'm, that's funny i'm taking the gloves back baby <laughs> so um i'm gonna have uh three pieces that's gonna go back to our normal format and um i guess before i do you know you know listeners if you um you know want to reach out to someone on our team and you know you kind of one or two cents or you know you're interested in kind of seeking some professional advice we are accepting new clients just want to throw that out there you can go to our website jessupwealthmanagement.com and you know feel free to to reach out to us 
Um, first thing I have is an update on insiders at corporations, Mark. And this is a chart. Uh, Thomson Reuters is the source on January 23rd. And this um, insider transaction ratio chart is very bullish, so showing that we have a lot of buying and not a lot of selling for corporate insiders. I take that as a very bullish data point. It's one data point. Do you have any comments? Um, no, I think it's I think it's a bullish data point too. I think you know people only, especially insiders, buy for they buy for one reason, right? They think that the stock's going to go up, right? Why, why else would they buy? Yep. Um, whereas if you're selling a position, it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, the stock's going to go down. It could be for a multiple of reasons. It could be the stock has become too much of part of their overall liquid net worth, or they have to free up liquidity uh, to buy a house or to, you know, pay for kids college or something like that. So there's multiple reasons why, you know, insiders would sell. But in my opinion, there's only one reason why people would buy so i think that you know that's one piece of data that favors the bulls i would agree we'll see what you think about this next one there was a tweet um in regards to u.s junk bond yields hitting an all-time low of 4.13 percent and this tweet was back on january 20th any comments to that well i just think you know it just shows that you know, with these low interest rates, it's really, really hard to get any sort of yield or income in the type of environment that we're in. Um, you know, again, if the Federal Reserve is committed to keep interest rates where they are for at least the next 18 to 24 months, then I think you're going to continue to see more of this because people are going to demand a return on that money. And, you know, this type of stuff just isn't going to do it for people. We're not back in the early 2000s or the late 90s where interest rates were extremely higher and you could get, it was normal to get 10 or 12% per year from a couple of different bonds. It's just not the, not the environment that we're in right now. Yeah. Um, my comments when I saw this tweet uh, and everything you said, I, I agree with. My concerns is that historically, I feel that a lot of investors perceive risk in the fixed income or bond market by relating yields to the market's risk-free rate of, of treasuries, right? And usually it's a quick comparison of, well, this 10-year U.S. Treasury is yielding 1%, mm -hmm. and this other bond, whether it's corporate or municipal or a foreign government, is yielding X. So most people relate a very quick analysis of risk because people perceive the market to be efficient, mm -hmm. right? So with all these yields getting pushed down everywhere, my concern is that people really aren't understanding the risk level of, say, a high yield bond yielding 4% right now, when a couple of years ago, it was at 6 And all of a sudden, I think people are programmed at, oh, 4%, that's a pretty good rate, but aren't really understanding there's another side to it they need to be educated on. And does that make any sense to you? Yeah, it does. It does. That's yeah, a concern I think, that I have. Yeah, yeah. That's I, a concern that, that people are not relating risk and they're looking more and more just at these yields. And that, that's that's the point I want to make with this chart. So what you're saying is people are just are looking at this, you know, the, the junk bond yield of 4.13% and they're jumping all over it, per perceiving it that there's very limited risk with that because of, of the way rates have historically been. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree with That's that. That's a concern of mine. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right, I got one more for you, Mark. Um, we have yet another call for being in a market bubble. Okay. This was a post and it says, Jeremy Grantham says the market's in a bubble. Investors are going to get carried away. And it says, um, in recent months, Grantham's been warning that the massive runs on Wall Street in the past year and indeed the bull run since 2009 are at bubble levels. Your comments, Mr. McEvely. Yeah. And this is, uh, I think this was actually one that I brought up a couple weeks ago, but the, I, this guy, or I talked about Jeremy Grantham, and he's just a perpetual, you know, bubble truther, I think, where I think I outlined several different times over the past decade where he said we were in a bubble. You did that a couple weeks ago. And he was the guy that admitted that he's he he does that. So I respect him for that, but it doesn't negate the fact that he's been saying we've been in a bubble for the past decade, right? Um, well, remember, I, I went up, my comment was, remember, a broken clock's wrong twice a day. Right, right. And I think that, you know, what's the definition of a bubble, right? I think it's an extreme deviation from the fundamental value of an investment or an asset class. But, you know, since this is the definition, there's bubbles all over the place, right? Who's to say that one investment or one asset is going to be completely reflected of his fundamental value 100% of the time. That's just not how markets work. And if that's the case, what's the correct measure of fundamental value? Is it PE ratio? Is it earnings growth? Is it sales growth? That's what makes a market, baby. Right. It's like you can't just pick, you know, one metric and how do you compare this you know, across asset classes. And I think this is the issue that I have with Senator Warren's comments last week that she wanted to take measures to make sure that prices reflect fundamental values of companies. There's no way it's you impossible. Can, there's no it's way impossible. you can do this. It's impossible. I, I actually when I when I, when I heard that, uh, that's a very irresponsible statement to make. I think it is, too. Um, you can't do that. I mean, there's no way that you can pick you know one. What the analogy is for me. Me as a senator saying, I'm going to make life fair for everybody on it, just on everything. I'm going to make life fair for everybody. Yeah, it's just I just don't I don't see how you how you're going to be able to do that. It's impossible. It's it's very impossible. Um, Another comment I want to make is that I and again, we don't sell short. We don't just that's just not how we do things for clients, but never have. um, There are people that do. And I really hope that the government does not ban short selling. And let me tell you why. Not all people that sell short are looking to bankrupt a company. Okay. All right. I like this. Um, This is one way to provide uh, liquidity to the market. It's a way to hedge long positions in a portfolio. And there's some money managers out there that hedge long positions with smaller short positions. Okay. And if that ability is taken away from them, then what's their way to hedge their long position? to just not have as big Less of a exposure. position to that name. So if you, you know, multiply that by thousands, potentially, what you get is that I think the market sells off violently because firms can no longer just sit in these really large overweight positions because they have no way to hedge it anymore. And if you have, like I said, a thousand different money managers doing the same thing, I just think that people think that if you ban short selling, the market's only going to go up. And I don't think that's the case. 
I think that's a very dangerous proposition. Yeah, I mean, I can give you a real life analogy that if this were to not be legal, Mark Cuban would not be who he is today. And I'm going to give you an example of this. Mark Cuban founded a company called Broadcast.com. It got bought by Yahoo. He took the buyout all in Yahoo stock. As the market rallied in the late 90s, he thought, in his opinion, that the Yahoo stock was ahead of itself. So to hedge and protect the value, he bought some options that would protect him if the stock dropped precipitately. Mm -hmm. And guess what ended up happening? It did. And it preserved his net worth. And it allowed him to turn into the individual he is today. Mm -hmm. Now, multiply that across multiple examples. It doesn't have to be a billionaire. You know, we could have a local executive or a local worker at a company that has a couple hundred thousand dollars of stock options. It might make up 20, 30 percent of their liquid net worth. And he has a large embedded gain. Bingo. You're already ahead of me. And exactly. And so how do you protect that? How do you protect that family? So this is not just things that are benefiting Wall Street honchos smoking cigars in the Hamptons. This mm -hmm. is not not yeah. true. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I hope, you know, I know that, that was talked about last week and I just hope that I, I feel like in, in times like this, um, there tends to be drastic overreaction and over legislation. I just hope that this is not one of them because I think that this is really going to interfere with how markets operate. I mean, don't hold me to this, but I actually... One of the, I, there's a congressperson, and I, for, I forget exactly who it was. If it, it the, the message was, they were insinuating that it might make sense that you have to be licensed to trade stocks. Mm, that's going to think about that for that's a second. That's really bad. That's, that's really insane. Bad. So, what do I need all of a sudden need a licensed person to buy other things? Do I need a licensed person to go buy a car? Yeah. Where, where do you stop it? I know. That's That's the stuff that I'm worried about. So I, I just I was blown away. Yeah. So um, and I guess the last thing I'll add is that, you know, I'm you know, I was I was kind of excited for to see, you know, retail investors like get involved and, you know, take a W on this. So I'm not I'm not saying this to go against retail traders. I'm not at all. I you, but you know me last week. I was loving it with the the zero cost uh, trading environment that we're in. People are naive if they think that it's free. Just right, because a there's point. a zero dollar price tag on it doesn't mean that, you know, these companies that you're trading through aren't making money on you somehow. And I'm not going to get into it, but there's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes that it's not it's not really free. Right. You can sell data to places and order flow. I'm not going to get into specific names, but. People just have to understand that, you know, signing up and trading at zero commission is it's really not free. Right. There's no such thing as a free lunch. Mm -mm. So people just have to understand that. And I know people were really upset when, you know, certain uh, brokerage platforms, um, you know, not allowing trading, not in allowing certain trading names. in certain names and that type of stuff. But that stuff, they're allowed to do that, whether you like the rule, how it is or the law, how it is now or not. It's legal. So I just want people, again, before you get into this stuff, just fully understand what you're getting into. And if you don't understand, ask. Ask somebody about it.
Yep. And I'll, I want to leave I want to leave the, the note on this from my perspective. I also have I love the fact that we have more retail investors coming in the market it provides more liquidity. I, that's a great thing. My message again is two things. Size your positions accordingly to your specific situation. I don't want people speculating with short term time horizons with money they need to pay bills. That's my biggest thing. Okay. And ultimately, at the end of the day, realize that these things can go down. Mm -hmm. That's the message I want to send. And that's what's, I think, vital for the listeners to hear. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we will leave it there for the week. Um, thanks, everybody, for tuning in to the 83rd episode of the Independent Advisors podcast. Uh, hope you all have a wonderful, uh, safe rest of the week. And we will be back with you next week for episode 84. Take care, listeners. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to the Independent Advisors podcast. If you're interested in hearing more, hit the subscribe button so you can be notified every time a new episode gets released. Feel free to share with friends, family, and follow us on Twitter at Jessup Wealth, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Mark and Matt will continue to share beneficial information on these social media sites. And also check out the podcast tab on their website. That's www.jessupwealthmanagement.com. Here you'll find links to every episode of the Independent Advisors. Have questions or topics you want to discuss on the show? Message us on Twitter, LinkedIn, or send an email with the words, questions, and topics in the subject line to mark at jessupwealthmanagement.com, and we'll talk about it right here on the podcast. Certain sections of this commentary may contain forward-looking statements based on reasonable expectations, estimates, projections, and assumptions. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of future performance and involve certain risks and uncertainties, which are difficult to predict. All indices are unmanaged and are not available for direct investment by the public. Past performance is not indicative of future results. This podcast is provided for general informational purposes only and does not constitute either tax, legal, or financial advice. Although we do go to great lengths to make sure our information is accurate and useful, we recommend you consult a tax preparer, professional tax advisor, financial advisor, or lawyer regarding your specific circumstances. Investing involves risk, including the loss of principal. No strategy can guarantee any objective or goal will be achieved. Advisory services offered through Commonwealth Financial Network, a registered investment advisor.